This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you. Whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives, you'll find it all here. You hear a knock on the door. You open it, only to be met by a squad of police officers ready to arrest you. The charges? Unknown. But before you know it, you're sharing a police cell with several others. You are now a remand detainee. It sounds improbable that having heard from several individuals about their unlawful arrests, seemingly an attempt to use state resources as a tool to seek revenge, this truly could happen to you. Derek Watts spoke to several victims of unlawful arrest and their experiences are truly horrifying. Be sure to stick around as we also bring you a legal expert at the end of today's episode to talk us through our basic rights and police procedures. An arrest is not meant to harass or intimidate. It should be a last resort. That's the theory, but not always the practice. From when I got booked in at the police station, I was nothing more than a number, maybe. Otherwise, I was an animal. The stories are harrowing. People wrongfully arrested. The power of the police used to settle personal scores. Our law says innocent until proven guilty. I never, ever experienced that. It's a journey that often ends in a maximum security prison while your life on the outside falls apart. They arrested me, I believe, without conducting a proper investigation. Barbara Langbridge owned a small art gallery in Cape Town, was a member of a civic association and a treasurer of the local community policing forum. Never having had a brush with the law, everything changed in February 2018. Barbara went to prison for a crime she didn't commit. There's everything that happened before this and everything that happened afterwards, and my two lives are, there's like a, a definite line in between the two that will never be forgotten. What happened to Barbara could happen to you. What were you charged with? I was charged with um, kidnapping and extortion. But Barbara, what evidence did they have? I don't know. We've never been shown the police dockets. We've never seen the statement. But she has her suspicions. At the time, she was in a personal dispute over a valuable property. She's convinced this was the real reason behind her arrest. The first thought I had was it was a setup. That the case was opened on the same day they instigated legal proceedings at the High Court to remove my name from title deed of a property. You're meant to be innocent until proven guilty, but your journey to hell begins out of sight in the cells of a police station. Barbara was first brought here to Milnerton. Without so much as giving a statement, she was thrown into a filthy cell for the weekend. There was no light. It's completely dark in there. You lose your sense of time and what have you. It's something another victim who asked to be called only by her first name knows all too well. Muriel was recently charged with common assault. She says it's a trumped-up allegation to get her out of the house she inherited 
along with what she describes as a toxic and dysfunctional family. I was the outsider and they had been trying to move me out of the house for several years. She claims she was repeatedly provoked by a young male relative who cried assault when she knocked his arm away during an argument. I don't consider trying to swipe someone's hand away assault. The police took her in for questioning, but Muriel says she was only ever asked her name, made to sign a notification of rights form, and was then locked up. I just felt very violated. I had come down to the police station under false pretenses that I was not being questioned. I was just going to be put in a cell. And I just had this overwhelming thing that this can't be happening. She remembers the squalor and the stench of the Randberg police cells, where she says showers smelt like sewers. Cigarette butts, chewing gum, sanitary towels, shoved into the windows. Wrongful arrests are common, and the amounts that you and I as taxpayers cough up in civil cases are eye-watering. But research shows that most offending officers just get a slap on the wrist. It's unclear what, if anything, happened to the police who arrested John Asser. Other than being arrested um, illegally and treated like a criminal, because that's how they treat you, they, they don't listen to any reason. He was accused of illegally pointing a firearm during an argument around a guest house sold by his fiancée. The buyer, businessman Tommy and Lala, signed two agreements totaling 10 million rands. Once he settled the first 8 million, he wanted to move in, in violation of the agreements. So the 2 million rands was outstanding and that's when things turned ugly. When Tommy approached us one day and said the agreements don't work for me anymore, that's when all hell broke loose. Tommy and Lala rented the property next door and it started cutting down an interleading palisade fence. John Asser confronted him and their showdown was captured on video. Tommy, you wanted to take possession of the house for 8 million rand. As I was now the legal owner of the property. So John Assaw came out. What happened? You wanted to be a man, let's not forget, in my property which was something that I was not going to allow. He then went to fetch a gun, came wavering a gun, and I told my guys who were working on site at the time to remain calm. This is a different story because the video shows nothing of a weapon being pointed. What is it? What, is, what does the video show? What is that? You a lot show? of shouting and threats, mainly from you. Mainly from me. John denies he was armed. Later, Tommy cut the gate locks and stationed security guards with semi-automatic weapons around the property. He also cut the electricity. Why did you bring armed security guards onto the property? Just to protect my asset. 
I just purchased an 8 million rand asset, which I had to ensure that I have adequate security for it. I'd say it's um, quite a solid attempt at intimidation. No, they are not people that would require me to get security personnel to intimidate. I'm not certainly one that goes around intimidating people. Then to John's amazement, the police from nearby Sophia town arrived to arrest him on a charge of intimidation, assault and pointing a firearm. We were quite surprised when the police arrived. There were literally about 25, 30 of them walking around Tommy up the driveway. You believe that Tommy used the police to strong arm you and John into leaving the property? Well, that was pretty clear that that was his plan, is to use the police. And they were really there in full force, supporting whatever he wanted uh, to achieve. That evening, John says he was arrested without a warrant and thrown into the fire town cells. Did they take a statement? No, they refused. I specifically said to them that I had video evidence to show and prove my innocence, and I would expect them to at least look at it. The video did not save John from a night in the cells, but it would spare him from far worse. Each year, there are around 45,000 South Africans in maximum security prisons as remand detainees, waiting for a court date or bail, which can take up to two years. For Barbara Langridge, that wait began in the cells under the Cape Town Magistrates Court. People have no shame. They don't mind, you know, urinating on the floor um, or worse. Um, obviously, getting tobacco is a big thing, getting drugs. The shouting, the swearing. I actually saw a policeman beat up a woman in that cell. Her alleged crime involved a firearm, so her bail was denied. Do you own a gun? No, I've never owned a, a firearm in my entire life. But evidence didn't seem to matter to the state. She was trapped in the system, now as a remand detainee. From a police cell to incarceration at Cape Town's Polesmore Prison one of South Africa's most notorious. And I was now going to Polesmore. I couldn't actually believe it. I just thought, this is, you know, I never imagined in my life that I would be going there. Her time there began with an invasive body search. Take them off. Anyway, I stripped off, listened, and they said, get on your haunches. Then I had to hold the front of the booth with my hands up, and you have to open your legs and then they inspect everything. The cavity search yes. must be the most degrading thing. Yeah. I think that was possibly the worst thing I've ever been through in my entire life. So, you know, exposed. And I'm a very private person with my body, you know, I don't like showing it off. Muriel's charges related to domestic violence, which meant she couldn't be released to her home address. So her bail was also denied. After two nights in a police cell, she was on her way to Johannesburg's maximum security prison, often called Sun City. She felt like her world had ended. It's like someone pulled a blind down on my world. You just get packed away in a box. Everything just fades into this nothingness. 
Both Muriel and Barbara were denied the very basics for a dignified existence. So I didn't have anything to eat from, and I didn't have anything to, you know, have a cup of tea. I mean, I didn't have a cup. I didn't have a toothbrush, but this young girl said, would you like to use my toothbrush? So I, I looked at the few bristles that were left on it, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to accept this help. And I took it, and she gave me some toothpaste, and I brushed my teeth for the first time in three days, you know. Muriel used a tube of hand cream as a spoon. Uh, this is my cutlery set while I was in prison. It's got a hard enough edge to cut pup. Anything that I needed to do to go into my mouth, this is what I used. You've got an influx of inmates constantly coming in and going out with a system that was never built for them in the first place. Emerentia Capito is the spokesperson for the Judicial Inspectorate for Correctional Services, an oversight body of our prisons. We are there to ensure that the human rights um, of those that are incarcerated um, are protected. But they admit they are powerless and can only advise. We have one of the best constitutions in the world. How do you have an oversight body that has no teeth? And remand detainees pay the price, behind bars and when they are finally released. The premise of innocent until proven guilty doesn't exist in the remand. After eight nights in Polesmoor, Barbara was released on bail. She'd lost everything. She closed the gallery, sold her car and possessions, and because the police kept promising evidence that never materialized, endured another nine court appearances over more than a year. Everything I was before then was taken from me. Being a businesswoman, an artist, being creative, being who I was as a human being. A year later, the state suddenly withdrew all charges and expunged her record. She's now suing the police and the NPA. The video saved John Asser because it showed he never wielded a firearm. He spent only one night in police cells. He too is preparing a case against the South African police. The prosecutor looked at the video and then decided that there was no case against me and they decided to pardon me. The Town police refused to comment. The provincial police have ignored our questions. Tommy and Lala, meanwhile, promised us a different video that he says proves his allegations. Why can't you show it to us? I didn't come with that video here. Yeah? Same way that I didn't come with all the eyewitnesses that were there present on the day. But not to bring video evidence if you've got it. It doesn't know. make sense. But you must remember that I'm not here to be on trial here. I didn't come here to be on trial. I came here to deal with facts. Here so to, you've got a fact that and, you and don't want to here. show us. I you've got a video that you don't want to show us. No, I don't have any. Despite promising to send us the video, he never did. The police won't comment on Muriel's case because it's before court. Last week, she burned her prison clothes a ritual performed by the remand detainees she met in prison. Somewhere between the actual law, the police, and the way that the laws and the police act to mete out justice, our system fails. We have a wonderful constitution that means nothing. Next month, she must navigate her way through the court system she knows nothing about. 
with only legal aid as her guide, hoping that even as the police failed her, the courts will be where she can find truth and justice. This story makes one thing very clear. All South Africans need to know their rights. So should we have an attorney on speed dial? And what procedures need to be followed by the police once an arrest has been made? Helping us sift through these many questions is attorney Elton Hart. Elton Hart is an attorney from the University of Johannesburg's Law Clinic. Good to see you, Elton. Always a pleasure, Derek. You watched both stories or both parts? I did. Could this happen easily to you or me? Derek, we are up for the taking. And I mean, we as South Africans, we're not immune to this. This can happen to any South African at any given time in life. This is just what happens. It's a daily thing. So, Elton, what happens to innocent until proven guilty? That's nicely written in our CPA, which is the Criminal Procedure Act, as well as the Constitution. But how things actually unfold out in practice, it's totally different. Because police can arrest you on the slight suspicion that you've committed a crime, and that is sort of half justified in the act. And that thing is like a discretion that that police officer has. So that makes it very dangerous. If I don't like Derek's face, Derek will be in the police cells. That easily. That easily. So how easy is it? in detail for a law-abiding citizen to end up behind bars because of overzealous, or let me say it, bribed police? No, that can happen very easily because, I mean, you get the malicious prosecution at all times. And I mean, there's some police stations that I have personal knowledge about where police officers, which swear to uphold this uh, police act and the constitution would plant evidence to actually implicate people. And this happens to people in our country on a daily basis. But you know, we're paying millions, maybe billions a year for unlawful arrest. I mean, you and me pay that in the end. Yes. And the police seem just to get a slap on the wrist. Yes, I think now the courts has now moved in the direction where you would get uh, police officers now also being held liable when these cases or the damages is awarded. And, the, and I mean, you could see it from the minister's case, the former minister of Sasa, that the courts is now expecting them to pay. But I mean, you and me are paying these costs and the police is just nilly going around arresting people. And that thing that sets in Section 40 of the Criminal Procedure Act is just say, I must have a suspicion. And that suspicion is just reasonable suspicion. You've committed a crime and then I can come. And that crime that's listed in Schedule 1 is a long list. But Elton, if the police pitch up at your house, they say, we're here to arrest you. What are your rights? Obviously, your rights is set out in Section 35 of the Constitution. It says what fair trial rights you have. And also the Constitution in Section 12 gives you your uh, physical or your civil liberties. So that is there. But obviously, the police now, they will say, OK, I'm using this because I have a suspicion you've committed a crime, which is listed in Schedule 1. I'm taking you in. And then they can arrest you. And then also what people don't know out there is that uh, you can only get police bail by a, what they say, a commissioned officer, which means from the rank of captain and higher. So now the police will say, I'm just a constable. Oh, I'm just an inspector. I'm just a warrant. I don't have authority to make that call. And then they keep you there, holding you in that filthy cells for a minute. And then you get into the system and then your living hell starts. Your life changes. Your life changes. Do the police need to prove that they have a case against you before they arrest you? It seems not. No, they don't have it. It's just, as I said, Derek, that suspicion that you've committed. Suspicion. Yeah, that reasonable suspicion you've committed offence listed in Schedule 1 of the Criminal Procedure Act. Then 
Derek is going to be visiting a police station and a holding cell. And then they will now use what they say, that 48-hour rule to bring you before court. They say, you have not been charged yet, so we cannot bring you before court. And they tend to abuse the process, but it's within the parameters. So it's a subtle abuse. And people don't know that. Then I can keep you for 48 hours before I actually bring you before a court of law. And that is now when people's living out. And then it's now underhanded tactics by some police officers. I'm not saying all police officers are doing it, but it happens out there. But you must appear in court within 48 hours. Yeah, they have to bring you because that's what the CPA says. But now there's another abuse that can also happen here in the system that the CPA also allows in terms of Section 50 that they can keep you for another seven days before you are brought before a court for a bail appearance. So that already, if you are kept two days and seven, and seven days, it's nine days for a person. If Derek was never in prison, that's a nightmare. Elton, who should a person contact should uh, he or she be unlawfully arrested? Derek, obviously, first thing is everyone should know by now, your lawyer should be on speed dial because this can happen to any South African at any juncture in life. So your lawyer should be on speed dial and don't get a civil lawyer that doesn't have knowledge of criminal law. Get a lawyer that knows the Criminal Procedure Act in and out. That's a good point. But what are your rights once you've been locked up in a cell? Obviously, Derek, before they can lock you up in a cell, Section 35 of the Constitution is clear that they need to actually read you what we normally refer to as Miranda rights. But in South Africa, it's in terms of Section 35 of the Constitution. If you have time, go read it. It sets out what a person should be informed of, his right to legal representation. And that's even captured in the Criminal Procedure Act, Section 73, which says they need to inform you you have a right, you have got a phone call to make to your lawyer. I've heard of so many cases where um, people have been locked up and aren't allowed provisions like some food or utensils. Derek, unfortunately, and people might dispute with me on this point, but it happens in some of the police stations that your basic civil liberties is being taken, you are being stripped of it, you are being denied. And they might say, no, it doesn't happen in my police station. But if you practice and you go to ground level on a daily basis, you'll see how many South Africans who don't have money to afford a lawyer and like you guys would say, a top-notch lawyer is going through this and it's the run of the mill every day. Should a statement be taken before you're locked up? They can take a statement, but I would not advise people to make statements because you are not legally trained. You can incriminate yourself by giving a statement to a police officer. So never give a statement, rather get your lawyer in there as quick as possible so that they can decide what is the charge that's being leveled against you because you might just implicate and say, I've committed a crime. Meanwhile, back in the ranch, you've never done so. Elton, this isn't like a law and order or CSI. What are some of the misconceptions we have about unlawful arrest? I always tell people, stop watching law and order. Stop watching CSI. Stop watching suits. Because that's not the law in South Africa. Our law is based on our Criminal Procedure Act as well as the Constitution. And what you see normally happening in these fancy courts over TV, it's not like you get arrested and you run off to court and I'm going to do now what they call an arraignment hearing. No, there's time frames that you have to work with. And police can frustrate you to say, we've got 48 hours to charge you and then bring you before court. And then I'm going to oppose your bail and then the court will then give a detention order that you go send to a Khosimampuru or Sun City prison for another seven days. So they can frustrate you in any given way if they don't like you. What is the one thing you shouldn't do while in remand? There's not one thing. There's so many things that you should not do when in remand. Because obviously you, now you must remember, you as a normal civilian that has never crossed lines with the law, now you get into 
a police holding cell where you get you would tend to one get hardened criminals that's in there. You get robbed of your shoes. You get robbed of your personal possessions. Some people even get sodomized. These things happen under the what where you say police are supposed to look after you. These things happen and people can dispute it. But I know that these things happen because I've been doing this for the past 16, 17 years. You are eventually released and the charges dropped. What steps can you take? If the charges is dropped, now one needs to know, and we venture now into the legal questions. Was your arrest lawful? Was your detention lawful? If the questions to both of them is no, you have a civil, a civil claim against whoever arrested you and whoever detained you. But these two things, they can also stand loose. Your arrest can be unlawful, but your detention can still be lawful and vice versa. And then you also get where they now use the machinery of the state to actually prosecute you, that's now the malicious prosecution. And I think one of the inserts um, on the Carte Blanche show is where we have this uh, John Esser, mm. where one can say, I can see that somebody has been paid here to actually prosecute this guy. So now that's malicious use of state resources to prosecute the person. Then you can have malicious prosecution, and which leads to a malicious arrest and detention and or unlawful arrest and detention, so then they can become as alternative claims to the malicious prosecution. Not all of us can afford top-notch lawyers. Are there organizations we can approach? Yes, the ordinary man on the street and legal aid is inundated with these types of cases that comes from the rural areas where black people are arrested on a daily basis for petty crimes or not even existing crimes where evidence has been planted on them or you, Derek is most probably standing close to a tree and behind the tree suddenly they pick up Mandrake's tablets. Now it belongs to Derek and Derek is arrested. Maybe Derek was waiting for a taxi. And these types of cases happen on a daily basis in our rural areas. And that's now what happens. And the legal aid institutions are inundated. You have only legal aid South Africa that help people who doesn't have money. But now if you are going to run against the state, the state's pockets is deep. Then they run you down with a 10-year litigation process. Obviously, after five years, you as a normal man on the street, you'll run down. You'll run down because you don't have funds to fight them anymore. And that's what they do. And the state attorney who's representing the state, they will oppose any and every application for a civil or action that is instituted against the state. That's just their mandate. It's a sad or even tragic story, isn't it? And uh, yeah, what are the solutions? Obviously, the solutions, there can be plenty. But obviously, first and foremost, people need to know to do their jobs. If I sign up to be a police officer, then I must adhere to my oath. If I sign up to be a prosecutor, I must adhere to my oath. If I'm a lawyer, I must adhere to my oath. And you get it out there, my colleagues. Sometimes they get involved in police paying bribes. They get involved in these types of things. And then you see a person who is now brutally murdered a person. And I had one case at a specific police station who brutally murdered a person, got an after-hours bail granted to him. So then you ask yourself, is this justice? What is the community? So all these things play in. And one, if you're out in the field and then you really see what's really happening to people on ground level, then you say, sure, is this happening in South Africa? Yes, it happens. Elton, it's been so informative talking to you. Thanks for joining us in the Carp Launch studio. Always a pleasure, Derek. Always a pleasure. Here's hoping none of our listeners find themselves in this unfortunate situation. But if they do, they now at least have the knowledge to better deal with what is sure to be a traumatic and confusing situation. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, be sure to subscribe to Carte Blanche, the podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. While you're at it, why not rate and review us? 
We love hearing from our listeners. 